welcome to the Steroids Podcast with your host, Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Steroids Podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Guide to Roids, 109-page ebook by Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Now, for the first time in bodybuilding history, you have someone with no corporate interests and no obligation to please anyone, not walking on eggshells to not offend. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the information, the whole information, the whole truth, not a full truth and a half-truth. Full truth. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the keys to the Lamborghini, gives you the information, and lets you decide what to do with it. It's a crime this information has been suppressed this long. Now let's get on with the podcast. Coming to you from Poland. So let's talk bodybuilding. Asking you real questions, real bodybuilding. And, uh, you know... Let's just talk about it because that's pretty much what I'm known for is telling you what bodybuilders are really doing, not telling you what you want to hear, what you might want to believe. And then the other thing I've been doing a lot lately is I've been telling you guys about some of the, uh, you know, consequences that might come from doing real bodybuilding. So let's just have a discussion. You know, ask me, ask me your questions. What kind of, you know, what, what do you want to hear about? What do you want to know about? What cycles, what cycles do you want to hear about? What does it take to get a certain size? You know, what kind of cycles are necessary in order to make that? Because, you know, been around the block. (laughs) And if you have questions about, you know, what it takes to get to a certain size, what it takes to to get big, you know, what it really takes to do bodybuilding, and you just want, you know, straight up answers, I'm gonna give them to you. So, do taller people need to get, take more gear to get big? How much test do you need at six foot four? Okay, so I know guys taller than you who are are bodybuilders too, so, you, you know, I know what it takes to get big as as a really tall person. I've I've been around this. And, you know, you have to start, you know, if you want to do bodybuilding, if you want, like, if your goal is bodybuilding and not, like, getting a nice physique that is, like, muscular and filled out, but, like, damn, that guy is massive. He's a bodybuilder. He's not just a guy that works out. He's a bodybuilder. You got to start at a thousand milligrams of testosterone per week. That's just what it takes. So there are other ways to do things, you know, not utilizing testosterone in high dosages, but it's a very direct path Um, and it works and it's tried and true. So when we're talking about, you know, what kind of compounds and what kind of dosages is it gonna take for you to be like looking huge, you know, for you to be looking like a bodybuilder, you know, what does it take to do bodybuilding? Well, if you're not using Trenbolone, 
um, or you're not using some other kind of really heavy hitter like D-ball, super draw, um, you know, you're not going to be using less than a thousand milligrams of gear per week and be doing actual bodybuilding. This is the reality. So, uh, you know, the six foot four guy who just asked me something, you know, yes, body size is, you know, it's dosage dependent. I mean, you gotta see what works for you, but I'm just gonna tell you right now that, you know, as a starting place, if you're looking to be, you know, looking like the other bodybuilders, unmistakably a bodybuilder, you know, doing stuff with less than a gram per week, that's not gonna cut it. It's not gonna cut it. So sometimes I've talked about my cycles or something and you know, everybody knows that my cycles that I've done, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, it's not I'm going to be under 2500 milligrams of gear per week, you know, when when you know I'm I'm getting real big. And um, you know, I've told you guys that and you know, people will say like that's a ton of gear or like you're going to kill yourself so fast doing that or like <laughs> or or like you know, how long are you going to do that? And and you know what? They're right about all those factors, right? You know, if you're going to be doing really extreme bodybuilding, which bodybuilding is a really extreme sport, extreme hobby, you know, that you are burning the candle. But my cycles that I've done and I've told you guys about that I do, you know, when I'm doing, you know, 2,500 milligrams per week of gear and, you know, you know, there's no mistaking like that's a bodybuilder when you see that, like, you know what? it's extreme and, and bodybuilding is an extreme thing. So that's just what it is, what it is. Okay. So, mo, mo, you know, is it really, it, it's really like a personal choice. You know, people will ask me, you know, is it okay? Is it not okay? Well, it's up to you. I, you, you know, it, do you want to do this? And, and I, I just think that you should be armed with, you know, all the knowledge, you know, like, you know, what does it take to do bodybuilding? What are the consequences of doing bodybuilding? This is an extreme sport. Are there risks? You know, you do another extreme sport, you know, you do like motocross riding, you do skateboarding, you know, you do a lot of stuff, you know, it's gonna be high risk. So, you know, just that's part of what you're doing. You're, you're doing something that, that's high risk and, you know, there's a lot of taboo about telling you guys the right dosages. Um, and, and you, you know, you know, people, you know, saying things like thousands of milligrams per week of gear. Well, bodybuilding is an extreme sport. When you look at bodybuilding, does this look like something that is not extreme to you? Does this look like something that is mild? Does this look like something that is meek? Does this look like something that is not outrageous? Give me a break, dude. It's the exact opposite. It's the exact opposite. So we're talking about outrageous eating, outrageous training, outrageous gear use. <laughs> this is pretty straightforward. This is pretty straightforward stuff. And when you're looking at these people, you know, 
with your own eyes, you can see exactly what is happening. Um, you know, if you just trust your eyes and you, you just, you know, close your ears to what everybody's saying, all this, uh, you know, stuff that everybody's saying to confuse you and, and distract you and make you think it's something else, make you think it's their turkesterone, make you think it's their pre-workout, make you think it's their SARMs. <laughs> no, no, that's not what it is. It's a combination of extreme eating, extreme training, and extreme gear use. That is what bodybuilding is. And you know what? If you, if you don't have all three of those factors going, then you're not gonna get where you wanna go. So guys, another you know misconception that guys might have is when they find out that, oh, you gotta take a lot of gear in order to do bodybuilding. Um, and they find that out and then they start taking a lot of gear, but they don't get big the way that you know they thought that they would. And there's a lot of guys out there who do take a lot of gear, astronomical amounts of gear, and they're not big the way that you know you would think they should be if they're on that amount of gear. And the reason why is because their other factors, their training and their diet is is not is not optimized. Okay. So when when you're talking about, you know, just because you have one extreme factor going and you're doing real extreme with the gear, that's not going to cut it. The, it, the gear will only work if the training and the diet is also extreme and it's optimized. And a lot of people that, you know, they think they're training extreme, but they don't know how to train. Okay, they, they, they don't, they won't understand principles, core concepts, like you have to build a base. You have to have threshold strength in core lifts you have to have certain powerlifting numbers in your possession. And then on top, once you have those in your possession, now you can do more hypertrophy training. You can do more volume training, utilizing that strength, utilizing that foundation that you built. But if you think that you can skip building this foundation and you can just take a bunch of gear and you can get big, it's not gonna work out the way you want it to. If you think that you cannot gain a lot of weight and you can get really big, it's not going to work out the way you want it to. What dictates how big you can get? Well, it's how effectively you're able to move your body weight up on a scale. So the gear is only affecting what you're doing with the food you put in. And then the training is the stimulus that makes the gear make all the food go to the right places, okay? So you have the food, that's the number one thing. Then you have the training, that's the stimulus. And then you have the gear that makes the training and the food do what you want it to do, okay? And they've all gotta be working in synergy. So what, another, this is another thing is that like, you know, you, you might wonder, why am I not bigger when I'm on so much gear? And then you're going to say, well, how much do you weigh? How much is your body weight increasing? Okay, so are you above 200 pounds if you're like 5 foot 10 or shorter or 5 foot 11 or shorter? 
Are you above 200 pounds? If you're six feet or above, are you more than 225 pounds? Are you more than 225 pounds? Because this is like those threshold numbers with the weightlifting. If you are not able to move your body weight up to certain threshold levels, you're just not going to ever get that big. People want to know how to get massive. People really like bodybuilding. This is a thing that people are really, they're interested in building something. They like to build things. You know, men like to build things. They like, they, they like to build structures. They like to do projects. They like to work on things. And so really like building up a massive monstrous physique, this is like appealing because you're, you're like building something. It's like being an engineer in a way. So, so th this is kind of like why you, you know, people like doing this and you, you know, so, so I'm just going to say that, you know, if you're taking a bunch of gear, but your weight isn't going up and you're wondering, well, I'm taking all this gear and my training is right. So why am I not getting bigger? Well, you didn't have the third principle. Okay. You didn't have the third principle, which is the body weight has to be moving up. So here's another one. You are gaining weight and you're taking a lot of gear, but you're gaining too much fat and you're not gaining muscle like you think you should. You're bulking, but you're not gaining. You're, you're like, what the hell? You know, I'm on a lot of gear and, you know, I'm training my ass off, but I'm and, and my body weight is going up, but. I'm not making results. Okay, well, now it's because you're missing progressive overload. So there are different ways to do progressive overload. You know, we've definitely talked about th threshold strength levels being one of them and reaching these strength levels, but there are also other ways to do that. So, you know, that's pretty complicated and we can discuss that, you know, at another time, you know, exactly how that goes. But if you are miss again, if you're missing, and, and then the other thing is that, you know, if you've got your training down, You've got your diet down and they're perfect, but you don't have your hormones right or you're not on the right hormones that are going to allow you to make certain progress. Well, you know, that's going to be another reason why you're gaining weight. Your training is great, but why are you not gaining the muscle that you want to? Well, because maybe your hormones aren't at the right dosages. Maybe you're not on the right hormones or the right amounts for doing what you want to do. Okay. So this is a very delicate balance bodybuilding. And that's why, you know, it's such a mystery to so many men. So many of you men are trying to do this. You're trying to do bodybuilding. You're trying to really succeed, but it's just like roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And you're wondering, you know, what is the formula? What is the formula? And then a bunch of people are like hiring coaches, you know, or, 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 or whatever too, because, you know, that is one way where if you hire coaches, you, you know, that's helps you to take a lot of the guesswork out of the formula, um, you know, but some coaches aren't going to be honest with you, you know, and, and then that that's not going to help you, you know, maybe they'll be honest about your training and your diet, but they won't be honest about with you about what kind of gear dosages it takes, you know, or, or they might feel shy about telling you, you know, what kind of gear dosages it takes in order to really reach your goals.
So, you, you know, which is a really common problem. So, like I said, this is a very delicate situation, bodybuilding, and, and making the progress, really reaching your goals. Why is there so many people trying to do bodybuilding and so few people successful? It's because this is a very delicate process and all the factors have to be going correctly simultaneously in order for it to work. But when you do have all of the factors going simultaneously and they are all working the way that they should, progress is fast as fuck, okay? It's super fast. It's like, you know, you're, you're making big progress in a matter of days, in a matter of weeks, in a matter of a few months. You even see IFBB pros sometimes. They'll make, you know, they'll be a certain way for like years. And then all of a sudden they get with a new coach who knows what he's doing and everything becomes correct. And now this guy is now doing exactly all the factors, the delicate balance. It's now all working. And it's like, what the hell? This guy made this huge jump. He's been a certain way for a certain amount of years and nothing was happening. And now like overnight, he made this massive jump to the front of the pack. How does that happen? Well, it's because this delicate balance, this delicate balance has been achieved. And now the progress, once it is achieved, is not slow. It's very fast. It's very direct. It's hard to get all the factors going at the same time. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of balance. It takes a lot of skill. It takes a lot of knowledge. It takes people who have been there, done that, know exactly what to do. Most people are doing this based on a lot of guesswork or, or they're learning and it's taking, you know, years and years and years. It, I think the, the most clear way that I can talk about this is to say that it's a very delicate balance to do bodybuilding, okay? And it doesn't work when the delicate balance is out of sync. And then when it is in sync, it freaking works, man. And it works fast. Progress in bodybuilding is made in bursts. It's not very linear. All right, so let's look at some more of your guys' questions. Shit, that was a lot of questions while I was doing that. Greg says he just started super draw today. Well, you're about to look like a science experiment. Um, is super draw better than Trend Slater? I know Slater. Good guy, good guy. I know some of you guys in real life, you know. So, um, you know, Trend Balone works better without food. Uh, you know, regardless of your diet or regardless of what you're eating. So we were talking about, you know, you know, this balance with with food and, you know, how you got to have this correct balance. So Trenbolone is going to leave you more leeway for not having a perfect diet than Superdrawl is. It's going to leave you more leeway for just kind of like making progress in some form or another, like maybe building muscle or burning fat or both at the same time, kind of like, you know, whether you put the food in or not, 
Like as soon as you stop putting the food in, you're burning fat. As soon as you start putting the food in, you're building muscle. And Superdrawl, yeah, like it is a fat burner like trend, a very potent fat burner. Um, and, and, and then it's a super powerful muscle builder, super powerful strength builder. You know, you know, trend is known for really putting on a lot of strength, but super draw, man, you know, if you feed it right, if you feed super draw, right, it's superior, it's superior for putting on mass and strength and it can burn fat, you know, very potently at the same time. So that's kind of like the caveat with super draw is it needs calories, you know, on low calories, trenbolone is a superior hormone. On low calories, on a, like a true diet, trenbolone is going to beat out superdrawl and its effects. But on high calories and like gaining weight um, and then having like body recomposition effects, strength gain, muscle gain, you're going to get more powerful effects from superdrawl and the effective dosage of superdrawl can be anywhere from like 10 to 50 milligrams per day you know this is very potent stuff and when i say 10 milligrams per day you know i'm not talking about like oh that's some kind of shitty dose i mean when i use superdrawl i like to use more than 10. i'm more in the 30 to, to 50 milligram range um but uh you know, it's very effective at 10 milligrams. Uh, so, you know, that, that I, I think that that was that that really sums it up actually really good is that if you're not gaining weight, Trenbolone is more effective. If you're gaining weight and feeding the machine, Superdraw is more effective. All right, let's look at some more questions. Um, what about if you're fat, so diet or calories isn't an issue? I'm decently big, but not as big. I bench 345, deadlift 605, but you, and you used to row three plates. Well, okay, so, so you're probably pretty big. So, you, you know, with those kind of strength numbers and, and, you know, that kind of body weight and everything, you're probably gonna, you know, benefit the most from, from cutting. You know, you're already pretty big. You're already pretty strong. You know, if, if you want to just maintain your body weight and do some hypertrophy volume training, I mean, for for six weeks or something, you can probably put on some more muscle mass and then go go ahead and cut. You know, there when you've got too much body fat and that's like hiding what your muscles look like, you're really like limiting your potential because muscles really look good lean. If, if there's fat hiding it, it's like you can't even see what's going on. So getting to like some type of leanness as a bodybuilder, like a maximum of 15% body fat, and I really mean that like as a hard maximum, you don't want your body fat going above that. When you're really focusing on bodybuilding, when you're when when that's your goal in your life when, when when that's your main focus your main hobby you don't ever want your body fat going above 15 percent because that's when you just can't even tell what's going on anymore you, you don't know what's happening so 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 for you right now 
uh, you've got those strong lifts and um, you got to assert you're a pretty big dude. You got to cut down. You got to cut down. You got to see what's there. See what you're working with and uh, then go from there. Right, let's look at some more questions. Men's physique versus higher classes, just genetics or gear usage? <laughs> well, it's a little of both. But, uh, you know, so it's, it's some of these men's physique guys are really big, though. Like, we're talking, like, Mr. Olympia guys. But let me just tell you guys, you know, what what is what are the compounds that are generally used in, like, competitive body, bodybuilding or very high-level bodybuilding? When you're talking about guys who you see and you're like, he's going all out. He's going all out. What's generally being used? Well, generally, testosterone is always being used. Generally, a 19-NOR compound is always being used, and that's usually going to be Trenbolone. Sometimes it's DECA. But, you know, with this kind of like current, you know, picture ready all the time, um, industry or you could say you know state of fitness state of bodybuilding etc it's usually trend balone it used to be deca you know pretty frequently because guys weren't picture ready all the time but now they feel that they have to be so i don't even need to say 19 nor okay what are you looking at with these guys that are pros or or you know very they're 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 giving it all to the bodybuilding and you can see that this guy's popular this guy's famous what is he on he's doing everything he's doing everything he can well he's running testosterone he's running trenbolone he's usually running some kind of orals a lot of times this will be winstrol Anavar, Anadrol, occasionally D-ball, but these days, not so much. It's usually Anadrol, Winstrol, Anavar. He's going to be running growth hormone. And a lot of people are running insulin. Insulin is something that you kind of hear about it, but it's not really talked about that much. But if you're around high level guys, they're pretty much all using it. Now, insulin wasn't used in bodybuilding before about 1985. So that's when it first started being used in bodybuilding. So as far as achieving like a golden era physique, it is not needed, okay? They were using growth hormone before night. They were using growth hormone all the way back in, in the, the late 60s and, and the 70s, okay? A lot of it was cadaver growth hormone. So it was ground up pituitary glands from dead people and then injecting the juice extract from that, um, from those pituitary glands, okay? And that, and, and which is incredibly potent pituitary extracted growth hormone super potent okay and then recombinant rhgh in the uh early 80s became a thing 
and and that's the growth hormone we have today, RHGH, instead of pituitary derived HGH. So, but growth growth hormone's been around since the very beginning, okay? But insulin wasn't used until the early mid '80s. Um, so you notice there's a change though from that point forward you know like the 90s when insulin really started catching on you know the bodybuilders look different why you know insulin is a big factor so you know what what does insulin do you know so it's like a key that unlocks cells okay so you have cells and they can't let energy in unless there's a key that unlocks them, okay? So this is the insulin receptor. And when the insulin molecule binds to the insulin receptor on a cell, any kind of cell, any kind of cell, it unlocks the cell and it allows the cell to open up and receive what is in the bloodstream inside of it. So, from a bodybuilding perspective, does this sound like it could result in muscle growth or an increase in size? A hormone that unlocks cells, opens them up so that they can receive what is in the bloodstream into them. Absolutely, absolutely. And people try to control what cells things go into when they take insulin and what cells things stay out of when they take insulin. And they do this by using substances like growth hormone. Growth hormone desensitizes fat cells to the effects of insulin. That's the main mechanism by which growth hormone increases your blood sugar. You know, you talk about growth hormone induced diabetes, growth hormone induced type two diabetes, growth hormone induced insulin insensitivity. That's mainly occurring in the fat cells. And so you have, um, you know, agents like this, you know, steroids that can increase the insulin sensitivity specifically of muscle cells so that the threshold of the amount of insulin in the body needs to be lower in order to open the muscle cells. And then you have other substances like growth hormone that decrease the insulin sensitivity or desensitize other specific cells such as fat cells to the effects of insulin. And now you're kind of controlling, you're opening up the cells, but you're only opening up certain cells, you know, because the insulin opens up the cells but then you're kind of like controlling the insulin with these other hormones, right? Um, and so, so now you're kind of controlling where does this nutrients go? And that happened, it, you know, it has to do with timing too, you know, and, and this is very, um, very extreme bodybuilding, okay? When you start messing with insulin, it, you know, it's a good idea not to do this not to play around with this hormone, not to use this recklessly because there are serious acute side effects like death that can occur very quickly in a single use from the misuse or miscalculation of insulin.
So when we're, you know, there's a lot more room for error with something like anabolic steroids, with something like growth hormone, but there is not room for error with something like insulin. And so we see this kind of example, like people choking on food and dying. Why? Why would a healthy guy choke on his food and die? Because he was going into an insulin-induced shock from miscalculating his insulin dose. And then he was piling food into his mouth to try to bring himself out of shock, out of the coma he's going into from the miscalculation of insulin in intake. And then it gets stuck as everything goes dark, as the tongue loses its function because of the hypoglycemia, okay? So we're talking about very serious hormones here. You know, we're talking about very serious hormones here and not something, um, not something to be experimenting with or utilizing if you don't know exactly what you are doing. You have to know exactly what you are doing and you cannot mess up, okay? So that's another re one of these reasons, you know, because, you know, this question was, you know, people ask me, what are the guys that are winning the competitions using, you know, and you kind of hear about, oh, they're using, you know, they're using insulin. Um, but then you don't really hear too much about insulin beyond that. And so now what I just now told you is how insulin works for bodybuilding, how it can be beneficial for bodybuilding. And then, you know, some of the things, you know, it, it can be, it can be dangerous, you know, so I'm, I'm giving you both sides of this here, but then as far as like, you know, open bodybuilding versus men's physique, you know, what's creating the different size. Well, I think, you know, pretty damn well. I think, you know, pretty damn well that when the training's there, when the diet's there, when the genetics are there, what's the factor? What's the factor that gets you bigger? Higher dosages. That's pretty clear. That's not a mystery. All right, let's talk about another question here. T4. Somebody asked, beneficial to take T4 without growth hormone. And then they were talking about on my Discord, uh, the ultimate guide on Discord, um, that uh, that uh, I said it was anabolic. And, and so if you're not on growth hormone, T4 is not going to benefit you. But if you're on growth hormone, you're going to be benefited from T4 and it is anabolic. Okay. So T3 is an active thyroid hormone. Okay. And active thyroid hormone speeds up your metabolism. It speeds up your heart and um, it's pretty catabolic. It's pretty anti-protein retention, pretty anti-nitrogen retention. Uh, but on the other hand, what happens with T4 is that when you're on growth hormone, the conversion of T4 to T3 is increased. 
So T4 is inactive thyroid hormone. It doesn't really have effects in the body until it becomes T3. And so people say, well, why would you take T4? T4 doesn't do anything. So the actual transformation of T4 into T3 is an anabolic process. So in the liver is where this happens. And when the T4 is being transformed into T3, there are these things created and produced called deiodinases in the liver. And these deiodinases cause a cascade of effects in the liver, like release of growth factors. So you hear the names of a bunch of different peptides, you know, so things similar to these different peptides. You know, you hear these things like mechanogrowth factor, IGF-1, these different peptides. It increases, these are all called liver-derived growth factors. And the conversion process and the production of deiodinases and the conversion of T4 to T3 increase these growth factors. Then the other thing that it does is when these things are present in the body, it increases the amount of growth hormone receptors on cells. So now you have an increased response to growth hormone and you have more growth factors present in the body because T4 was added to the growth hormone cycle and growth hormone increases the conversion of T4 to T3, which has these anabolic effects during that conversion process. It also, there's also another aspect of this too, is that that conversion process increases the genetic expression in your DNA of sensitivity to growth hormone or reactiveness to growth hormone. So yeah, like, you know, growth hormone's good alone, but when you dress it up kind of with other stuff, that's when it really gets crazy, you know? Like, you know, cause, so I'm not an insulin guy, you know, but I've told you guys about, I like metformin. So I don't like metformin if it's not with growth hormone, okay? I don't like T4 if it's not with growth hormone, okay? But if I dress up my growth hormone with T4 and with metformin, it's like twice as effective, man. Maybe even more with the right roid cycle. Let's talk about some, let's look at some more questions. Um, yeah, Davenport Barbell says, just came across your channel, really appreciate it. If you're trying to get shredded, would you stack super draw with Winstraw or just the Winstraw? So the super draw is going to, you know, Winstraw is a pretty good fat burning hormone and it definitely changes your carbohydrate uh, processing or partitioning of carbohydrates to muscle and away from fat. Um, you know, eating one way without Winstraw and then eating the same way with Winstraw is going to have different body composition effects for sure. So it's really good at that. Um, but Superdrol is a powerful fat burner. Um, you know, we're talking more on the level of Trenbolone, which kind of like actively burns fat. You're getting similar effects uh, with with uh, with Superdrol. You know, where you're kind of getting more 
active fat burning, whereas windstraw is a little bit more passive, you know, where you're kind of just noticing with superdraw, like, what the hell, fat's just evaporating from my body. You know, you're kind of looking more at that. But as far as like getting a certain look when you're already in shape, which is the reason why people use windstraw next to a competition, there is no hormone that is as good at Winstrol as cr at creating that final cosmetic effect um, where there's very, very low minimal water retention in the body, in the skin. Winstrol has diuretic effects, you know, super draw, you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't, you know, you could say in a way it has diuretic effects, but it's just not the same. Winstrol is the superior hormone as, uh, in bodybuilding when it comes to getting the final look and you, you know, you specifically asked for contest prep. So, you know, if there was one hormone that was the most essential to having the finished look, you know, Winstraw is gonna be the one that helps you the most. You know, Trenbolone's utilized a lot too and Trenbolone's really, really good too. Um, but, and, and Halotestin, that's another one that's really utilized a lot. But as, as far as which one is, is the most important for really having the most uh, peeled and the cosmetic effect at the end, when you're already in shape, not burning the fat, but having the cosmetic effect, it's Winstraw. Let's look at a little more of this, a little more of your guys' questions here. How would modafinil affect sex drive? Modafinil is a stimulant. Um, so modafinil, you know, it's a more controlled stimulant than some of these other stimulants, you know, that might make, you know, modafinil doesn't really make you feel high, right? Like you can really get work done on modafinil or you can really stay up. But it, it doesn't really do some of these other, like, peripheral effects so much. I mean, you, yeah, you, it definitely makes you feel a little bit, cr like, cracked out. You know, you could say that expression. But it's not, it, you know, as far as something that just allows you to stare at a screen and get busy work done without having other effects in there, it's pretty hard to compare to modafinil. And, you know, you're kind of asking about it with sex drive. I, I would say... I, zero does it affect sex drive there's there's no effect it, it, they're not they're not related it's it's a you know it's not a very recreational substance um, yeah let's let's look at another another question here um Corey asks, will taking farm HGH three to four I use for a few months lower my natural growth hormone production? Yes. So from the first growth hormone shot that you take, your uh, natural growth hormone pulse is going to reduce to zero. Okay. So that lasts for about 24 hours every time you take a shot of growth hormone. All right. You're going to get about 24 hours where your natural growth hormone pulse is suppressed. But after that time is up, 
your natural growth hormone pulse is going to come back on. Okay. Um, so as far as like long-term shutdown from growth hormone use or like, do you need a growth hormone PCT to get your natural growth hormone going again? It's not really like that. It's not, it's not like, uh, sex hormones where, you know, you're getting a shutdown or like your nads shrunk and, you know, they're not going back to size and you're having to do a really aggressive PCT. You know, you're not really getting that with, with growth hormone. You're getting a 24 hour suppression and it happens from the first because growth hormone naturally is released in pulses. Uh, it's not released all day. Uh, but but then on the other hand, when you take injectable growth hormone, it's like it's you know this is why it's so much different for and why it's another reason why peptides too don't work very good for bodybuilding is because when you take injectable growth hormone, you've got a straight line of high growth hormone levels, high IGF one levels. But when you're talking natural growth hormone or increasing your growth hormone pulse through the use of peptides, you're getting this kind of thing, up and down, up and down. Uh, at certain parts of the day, and then other parts of the day like zero, and then other parts of the day up. When you, you know, when you take injectable growth hormone, and this is why, you know, none of these peptides, none of this other shit can compare to pharmaceutical grade injectable growth hormone, is you're elevating the whole thing, and you're keeping it up, and it's just staying up. It's a very different response. The body has a very different effect from having these sustained long-term elevated growth hormone levels, elevated IGF-1 levels. This is totally unnatural. It's unlike anything your body ever does naturally. And this is why it has such an unnatural looking effect on your body. You know, taking growth hormone, you know, this is when you really start to look like a fucking alien, dude. When you get on pharmaceutical grade growth hormone, it's like, now, now I see what these guys were using. Uh, it's, you know, it's kind of like when you first start taking gear and you're like, oh, now I can see who's natural and who's not. And then, you know, you get to another certain other level and you start taking pharmaceutical grade growth hormone, but you got to be doing it right. You got to be doing it right. You know, you can't, again, this is a very delicate thing and you can't just be like, oh, I'm on a certain drug, so I'm going to look a certain way. That's not how it works. You know, so if you just think that, you know, all you have to do is just take the drugs. And, and then if you take the drugs, you're going to look a certain way. That's not how it works. Okay. So that's very important. That's very important. You can take all the growth hormone you want, but you're not going to look right if the other factors aren't right. Okay. But if the other factors are right, the other factors are right. And now you add the growth hormone in the pharmaceutical grade growth hormone and you do it the right way. Then it's like, what the fuck is happening to my body you know you, you know and and you it's much more alien looking you, you know alien is the best way to say you know with growth hormone growth hormone science experiment freaky taking the that's not human type of thing to a different level yeah growth hormone is really essential for that look you can get stuff like Trenbolone, et cetera, with that too, you know, orals, Anadrol, D-ball, Anadrol, where you can get like, damn, like, you guy's fucking jacked or something. But when you're looking at it, just like, what the hell? Uh, is, is that even human? 
you're looking at growth hormone right there. That is what you are looking at. That is what gives that effect. All right. Let's look at some more questions. Uh, looking at this. What do you think these wellness girls are using, generally speaking? <laughs> yeah, I get I get a lot of women. I got a, lot, got a lot of women, you know, asking me questions about their roid use. You know, I can just tell you right now, like, what a lot of these Instagram, like, buoy girls are using and stuff. A lot of them are on steroids, you know. It's, it's pretty surprising because, you know, the first little bit that they use it, you know, a lot of it's, you know, a lot of the side effects are going to be, uh, you know, uh, limited to their genitals. So you may not be able to perceive the side effects that they're experiencing because that's where they experience side effects first. And, um, you know, another one that starts happening is their breasts start melting. They, they start looking like a dude who used to be fat and had gynecomastia. So the breasts just kind of like melt. That's another one that like really happens. So the first things that, you know, first thing that happens is, you know, it's only under their underwear where they're having. <laughs> so you're not really aware, you know, you, you think. OK, she doesn't look like she's on gear. Not yet, because it's only in one spot so far and that spot's concealed. Um, so but a lot of these girls you know, who are doing the, 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 the workout thing, you know, the booty thing, you know, the pants up their ass, the really thick thighs with the horse ass, and she's wearing gym shark clothes a lot, and she's real popular on Instagram. She's got a lot of followers. She's really into working out. And you're wondering, is this girl running something? Is she using something? Because she's pretty lean too, you know? So that butt is not fat. And, you know, she's, I don't want to stereotype, okay? But, you know, there's certain parts of the world where, you know, like injections in the ass are, you know, really popular. And like a lot of women have these injections in those <laughs> areas of the world. You know, it's like, hyaluronic acid, uh, you know, which is like a form of like synthol injections, you know, so it's like Botox depots like in the ass, you know, so that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you know, when it's really lean. And so, so what's, what's used is a lot of them are not using five milligrams of Anavar, which, you know, if they must use something, if they must use male hormones, you know, I think they should keep it to five milligrams of Anavar. But from what I encounter, most of them are using 10 milligrams of Anavar, 15 milligrams of Anavar, 20 milligrams of Anavar. In that spectrum dosage range, that's what I see most often when they're telling me what they're using. Um, some of them use Winstrol. You know, something that's pretty interesting, though, and that you might not have expected is that injectables are pretty, pretty popular, pretty popular. So uh, a lot of these Instagram fitness girls that you're seeing, 
they actually take steroid injections. They take uh, equipoids and they take um, NPP. Those, those are the two. I see those a lot. So very low doses of um, NPP, you know, or, or equipoids, like, you know, somewhere between 10 to 30 milligrams two or three times per week. These are kind of the dosages that I see with these girls with these injectables. Um, so yeah, believe, believe it or not, you know, uh, <laughs> a lot of them are taking steroid injections. It's pretty funny, but yeah, you know, it takes a while for the side effects to show up because, you know, for women, a lot of the main side effects that eventually show up is, you know, you can kind of see some steroid side effects like on my face. And I've been pretty clear about this. So like, for example, do you see how my face sticks out right here? You can see there's a bony area, you know, this is, this is hard, that's not soft, you know. So if you can see it's, it's like, you can see it's like this, okay? It's, it's going, it's above my eyebrow and it's like this bony projection right here. So that was not like that before I used anabolics long-term, okay? It was not so pronounced like that. That's a heavily androgenic trait. Yeah, you do get some of that when you hit puberty, okay? You do get some of that, but it's exaggerated on me, okay? And if you look at other people, like Arnold Schwarzenegger is a good example. It's exaggerated on him, okay? And you'll start noticing once you know what to look for, once you know which bones, which areas of the bones of the face are androgenic and they're stimulated by androgenic uh, compounds to densify, to thicken in these areas, you'll start to be able to pick it out more. So. For women who have used anabolics long-term, you'll start seeing this, which that's a heavily masculine area of the body. Actually, so you can also see that I have a ridge right here above, above my nose. You can see that the nose, you know, it kind of comes in and then it comes out right here, the ridge in the skull. So women, that's another androgenic trait, okay? Women don't have that. It just goes straight up. It doesn't go like nose and then coming back outwards and then the top of your skull and your eyebrows. And then they don't have this thing here above the eyebrows, these bony protrusions, okay? But when they take gear over the long term, this is a gradual effect that happens is these bony areas, this projection here above the nose, um, going from with a woman, it would just go straight up like this, straight up flat with none of this projection. You can see the shadow hanging over where my, where my nose is. So with a woman, it goes, it's supposed to go straight up, but when they take hormones, you know, it gets this bony protrusion thing here and they get this thing above their eyebrows where you have this, this ridge that goes across the top of the eye area right here. And um, this happens gradually over years. This is not something that happens like overnight. This happens very slowly. So this is like undetectable effects where they're not aware what's happening. And they're like, have no idea that it's happening because you just look at yourself in the mirror every day and you don't really know 
Or maybe you thought like, oh, well, I got leaner, so the bones in my face are showing more now. But that's not what it is. You know, you see women who use gear uh, or who have utilized gear for competitions, and it's very obvious when you look at their faces. Um, you, you know, you hear their voice, and that's one factor. But you also look at their faces, and it looks like something's something's off what is that about her face that is off i see something but it's hard to pick out and pinpoint what exactly that is that is off about this woman's face but i know it looks off i know it looks caveman it's it's this it's the nose thing it's the thing above the nose the projection where the nose doesn't just go straight up the face into the forehead anymore with, without any overhang. And then it's this shelf that develops here above the eyes. It almost looks like a mask, like, you know, the shape of Robin, Batman and Robin's mask. You can see it projecting on my head right now. So now you know exactly what to look for. Um, these are the uh, you know, that's permanent too, okay? So once you get that, that is calcium bone that has thickened. That's not going away. Um, so these are kind of like more long-term side effects that can creep on women. And uh, they're not going to be noticing, you know, you know, oh, this is happening. I better stop or something like this. This is, they're not going to know. And then eventually they're going to be like, my face looks different. Other thing that you get is you get, you get muscle growing all over your head. So your face, you know, why can you make so many facial expressions? Why can you move your face all over the place? You know, why can you do all this stuff? It's, it's because your face is made entirely of muscles. So it's to make, be able to make tiny little facial expressions. So that's another thing. That's another reason why people's faces look different when they take hormones is because their entire face grows and thickens and all of the muscle that is their face grows and thickens, okay? And then you have another very androgenic muscle, which is this right here, okay? So normal people, when you look at their heads, it just goes straight up, okay? But if you look at people who are on hormones, you'll see, look at my head right here when I flex my jaw. Can you see this area here where my fingers are? You see that moving right there? That is an area of the head that you'll see on a lot of, you know, it's more pronounced on some people than, than others, but you'll see this look on people's skulls. And, you, you know, why does the head go up? And then why does it have this shape or this like triangle shape up here or something like this? And, and, you know, you're wondering, you know, what causes that? Um, and, and that's, you know, it's a muscle. It's the main chewing muscle of your head resides in this spot right here. You see that? Every time I open my jaw, watch that move. Okay. And so when you chew, you're doing a pretty hard workout. You know, your jaw gets tired, especially when you're doing stuff like chewing for like bodybuilding and you're eating like more food you're eating more protein you know meat beef you're chewing on things that are hard to chew you know 
what's happening, you know, with this muscle right here? Well, it's being worked hard and, and it's actually probably even getting sore sometimes. And then you've got hormones that build your muscles. And this is a major muscle in your body that's being worked on a how many times a day, every time you have a meal. Another thing with bodybuilding is it's like, well, what, you're eating like five to seven meals per day now? And so you're getting this effect, you know, so everybody that takes hormones, you know, gets this thing with their head, you know, this thing with their head, you know? And, and so you put this again, you know, this doesn't even show on a normal man, you know, that doesn't show on, on a man who is for the vast majority of men who are not on anabolics, that muscle is not prominent. That's not showing. That's not something that is oversized and visible on the skull. So, you know, you put that on a man's body, well, now you put that muscle on a woman's face. And so, you know, you've got this muscle here coming way out. You've got a thickened face, you know, because the whole face is made of muscle. And then you've got um, the, the bone above, instead of a nose that goes straight up into the forehead, you have the masculine projection. Most all males grow this during puberty. So this is a male thing. This is not really a steroid thing. This thing right here at the top of your nose where there's a little overhang above your, um, above, above your, your nose before your forehead starts. That, that most males develop that in puberty, but women do not. It just goes, the nose goes straight into the forehead. Okay. So that's not really like an anabolic thing for men, but it is for women. And then the other thing is that you get this masculinized mask looking thing right here, which is uh, thickening of the bone and this projection here above your eyebrows. Um, and so, so that is something that taking gear that grows that area. That's one of the reasons why your face will look different forever after having used gear is, is this bone, this bony projection, this bony ridge growing. And, and now, so you add that onto a woman too. So now you've got this, you've got this thing coming out right here that men get through puberty. And then you've got this thing coming on here that men get a little bit through puberty, a lot through roids, you know, but you've got this all going on now on a female's face, as well as all of the muscle of the face thickening. And, you know, this is how you get, you know, what's up with her face? Why does it look off? <laughs> All right. Um, let's, let's, look, let's look at, uh, you, you know, you know, D'Angelo, let's, let's answer, answer your question. Okay. You says you want to get the beach body, not too big, not too small or high dose anabolics required for that and are zero carbs optimal for a body like that so zero carbs are going to help a lot for you or low carbohydrate diet low carbohydrate means low um it's going to be much much lower um, retention of water in your skin carbohydrate i know you guys don't want to hear anything negative about carbohydrates you love your carbohydrates and when I say something negative about carbohydrates, you're offended. 
it's your drug and you don't want it you don't want bodybuilding advice you don't want to know any bodybuilding advice that messes with your drug your carbohydrate your sugar it makes you feel happy when you eat it i know that okay i know that you like to eat it i do too okay but there's application to bodybuilding here okay so carbohydrate when you eat carbs they hydrate they bring water into the body that's why they're called carbohydrates and so when you're like wanting that like very defined very detailed very skin thin skinned look you know not eating a high carbohydrate diet is going to have advantages and this is also why people before their competitions when they're doing contest prep you know what do they do before the contest well they carb deplete they deplete on sodium they deplete on carbs and then right before the show they eat the carbs but they only eat a certain amount in order to fill back out okay and then if they eat too much you hear this term spilling over because they spilled over they ate too much carbohydrates and it brought too much water into the body again okay they had got the water out of the body by taking away the carbohydrates but then when they were carving up for the show they spilled over because then they ate too many carbohydrates so too much water came back into the body and then it blurs their body it blurs their lines and they don't look so ripped and diced the way that they wanted to so we're explaining right here you know why why that happens why you know why eating you know if you're talking about you don't want to be too big you want to you you want a beach body you want to look a certain way really lean really sleek really athletic can a low carb diet help you absolutely here's another thing with that too is that you know with a beach body you don't need to be big at all okay because if that's what you're looking for the average person is impressed by like fucking nothing as far as muscle size goes okay you don't need to be doing any kind of science experiment stuff like bodybuilders are doing you know because bodybuilders look like science experiments okay so with as far as like a beach body you, you know really when it comes down to it you're talking like very low dosages um and, and just being as lean as possible you know because let's say let's say you're like five five eleven okay and you're about like 170 pounds 175 pounds okay and you're lean okay you're like really lean so you've dieted and got really lean and you're natural okay now you just add the cosmetic effect of gear to that so you take something like 250 milligrams of testosterone and 50 milligrams of winstrol you look fucking unbelievable to the average person okay you know not in a bodybuilding sense but to the average person who was already impressed by just being like oh like you're lean or like oh you have a six pack 
And now you add the cosmetic effect, like 3D muscles projecting fullness. Now you look unreal. Now you look unreal to the average person. So if you're talking beach body, absolutely. What you're looking at is you're looking at very low dosage usage and you're looking at putting an absolute premium on being lean. And you don't even really need to be bigger than, than a natural, you know, barely, barely, you know, if you're looking to do this fake natural thing too, you know, you just need to add that cause you have to be lean and you have to put a premium on being as lean as possible. Now you add that cosmetic effect of steroids, that cosmetic effect of being on gear. Boom. You're there. <laughs> so, you know, we're talking like, you know, 250 milligrams of testosterone, 50 milligrams of, um, wind straw, uh, stuff like that, you know? All right, let's see, let's see another question. Uh, your penis is getting darker after a testosterone cycle? <laughs> I don't know what to say to that, man. Uh, Michael asks, will the face muscles atrophy once they come off the gear for a while? Yeah, yeah, the face muscles atrophy, but the bones don't. So once you have like the gear bones in your face, like the, the bony projection above the eyebrows, that that's permanent. That's not going to go away. Um, but yeah, the, the muscle, the muscle like on the side of the head that makes like this weird like triangle shape or whatever. That thing, that that will go down. I, I mean, it even goes down during cruising. Um, but, you know, if you like really come off, then yeah, it will like really go down. Uh, injectable Superdraw sucks. It, it doesn't work right. That Superdraw needs to be taken orally in order to get the right effect from it. Injectable Superdraw is totally dog shit. Um, yeah, let's get, let's get another question here. Oh, uh, Sean asks, how do you keep your stomach and bowels from getting messed up on a low carb diet? So, uh, have eating the correct, like bacterias, um, uh, is super important. Um, so like eating yogurt as part of your uh, diet or taking some kind of like um, supplement, like a probiotic supplement, you know, the best way to do it is, is by eating, you know, like drinking a little bit of raw milk or eating some kind of like natural yogurt every day. Um, or another way to do it and the way that I personally do it is drinking kefir, which is like a very highly concentrated um, bacterial form of yogurt. <laughs> but you'll notice how important um, uh, bacteria is for your overall well-being, your mental health, and your, your body's function uh, very quickly. Um, if you just ever take some kind of broad spectrum antibiotic. So one thing is that antibiotics are very well known for causing depression. You know, and you think, 
what the hell? Well, the, the symbiosis of the gut bacteria in your body is so important for like every function, including even your brain function. Okay, so if you take broad spectrum antibiotics, like, you know, azithromycin is, is one thing. You won't feel good after that. You'll feel like, I don't feel good, man. Uh, or, or you'll feel like depressed. And if you go after that and you take like a probiotic supplement or you drink kefir, which both of those are super potent ways of getting healthy bacteria back into your body after they've been destroyed from antibiotic use. It's like 24 hours until you feel better again. So that, that's a way that you can see how powerful and how important getting these bacterias are. And um, yeah, I mean, they should be a daily part of your routine. So, so like, like I told you guys, the, the bacterial like food that I eat, I try to like take my supplements like in food form when I can, when I can't, you know, I take them in pill form. Like for one example, like I take magnesium. That's one of the things I take for my heart because, you know, like I told you guys, I have some mild plaque in my heart. So I need a lot of magnesium because magnesium dissolves calcium. And so I take magnesium glycinate supplement all right i take 400 milligrams per day um but then you know another supplement that people might take you know like for like cramps or something or just because you need more electrolytes like on steroids is they might take potassium so i don't take any potassium supplement what i do for potassium is i eat one potato with the skin every day which contains as much potassium as four bananas so potatoes are super, super high potassium food. And so you can get that, you know, from, from that. So, so that, that's an example. Um, and then like with the probiotic supplements, you know, they have the capsules, they have the pills, but instead of doing that, you can get it from food, which always, you know, food derived sources is always better. Your nutrients, your macronutrients, your micronutrients, your bacteria, whatever. You always want to go food that's the superior sources. And then you supplement with what you can't get from food. So the best way of getting the bacteria is either by drinking a little bit of raw milk, like a, a cup or a half a cup of raw milk per day, or having kefir, some kind of kefir uh, or very strong natural unprocessed yogurt uh, daily. Uh, very sour yogurt, uh, but but kefir is is a really good choice, and it's usually pretty cheap too. So that that's what I do is I, I drink some kefir every day, and um, you know if if you're talking about having um, bacterial problems, gut problems from being on certain diets, it's it's definitely you know doing that kind of a thing, or like if you're somebody that gets diarrhea frequently, you know. I'm somebody who travels around to a lot of different places, a lot of different countries a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, so I'm exposed to a lot of different countries' bacterias or a lot of different countries, you know, parasites or whatever. <laughs> so I've had a lot of experience with, you know, getting diarrhea and having to figure out, you know, 
how can I prevent that from happening? And, you know, I always buy the dairy product that was made in that country. And I have it every day. It's one of the first things that I do. You know, when I used to come, when my friends used to come to Thailand, um, you know, and they'd have gut problems and I'd be saying, you know, they'd be say, saying, oh, you know, I'm having gut problems. I knew exactly what to do to fix them. You know, I knew exactly what yogurt to pick. The one that was made in Thailand, the one that had the Thai bacteria in it that you needed to process the Thai food, <laughs> the food made in Thailand. <laughs> but that works really good, you know. You know, where, whatever, you got to find the dairy product that is made in the country or in the region, whatever, that you reside in and take that dairy product to process the food that's made in that country. So I'm going to, I'm going to take off now, guys. It's been an hour and 15 minutes. I had a good time talking with you guys. It was a good chat today. And, um, <clears throat>